0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's ninth state sports show, football edition. My name is Joe Marcellino. Alongside me, once again, former longtime football coach in the state of New Hampshire, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are we doing this week? Doing good, Joe. How are you? Doing all right. I'm feeling the uh, the end of the season burn here. I'm I'm, uh, I'm running on fumes. I yeah. think uh, <laughs> I gotta need a nice uh, when, when do we when do we roll the clocks, th- or send the clocks back? That's not this weekend. It's the weekend after. Is yeah, that?
1: it's not. And I
0: need that extra hour of sleep soon. I,
1: I gotta say if so if you think you're tired this
0: is how old we are
1: <laughs> if you think you're tired I mean, we're not playing
0: no um, oh yeah the
1: these guys have been play, you think you know you, you think, think you're tired yeah. these guys have been banging since august
0: oh they're they're young they can handle that's this, what i was gonna say, say. <laughs> that's because we're old we're tired we, uh. we're
1: tired just from watching them play
0: for the last seven weeks uh, we're once again recording the show at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. As always, send us your questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, you can listen to the show every Wednesday morning at nh-highschoolsports nhhighschoolsports.com. And I'm gonna, I wanted to give a, uh, a nice tease here. Um, hasn't been posted yet, but... If you are interested in ordering a 2019 uh, nhhighschoolsports.com yearbook football yearbook, uh, your opportunity will be coming soon. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I'll be sending out a notice probably in the newsletter coming up soon. I haven't sent one of those out in a while, so um yeah, It'll it. be yeah, get on that. <laughs> um, so yeah, just uh, keep an eye out for that. That will be coming up soon. And uh, yeah, like we're we're in week coming up on week eight. Already, yeah. Hard to believe that there are only two weeks left of the regular season. Uh, It's sure starting to feel like it outside. Um, Yeah, it's fall is here. uh, Thankfully, I'm I'm actually I'm actually really glad that we're having a real fall this year. None of these eighty degree October days where you know it's like I'm wearing my shorts in the afternoon and then I'm bundling up at night. So I'm I'm enjoying this. Um, And last weekend was another great weekend. Looks like we had another. (coughs) <coughs> excuse me weather wise great weekend coming up this week um yeah yeah the saturday i went to
1: a game on saturday which we'll get to later but uh i don't remember a more perfect fall day yeah than the saturday that we had for high school football i mean it was just perfect so uh if you weren't out there enjoying it uh keep an eye on the weekend weather because it's just a great way to get out there and enjoy you know what little we have left until it starts, you know, puking snow on <laughs> us and raining you know, and yeah, yeah, sleeting and all, all stuff and, that comes yeah, with November yeah. weather.
0: Wearing um, ten layers and yep. yeah, yeah snow fun. Um, you know, let's um I want to start with I guess the game that uh, I guess the game that I was at Friday night um, was in your old stomping ground, uh, at Merrimack. Yep. They took on Portsmouth Oyster River. Um, in a in a game that started I had my head spinning when it started because, of course, both teams were running a little bit up tempo to start the game. I'm trying to take notes and I'm like, I, I can't keep up with this. I'm I can't even take pictures right now. I'm just just yeah. watch what's going on. Merrimack opened the game and scores on its opening drive. Portsmouth comes back and scores on its drive. Merrimack comes back, take you know scores. Portsmouth returns the kickoff. Merrimack then scores. It's like twenty to fourteen. Yeah. in the first quarter and I'm, I'm just you would put a tweet yeah. out
1: that said there will there will be no defense played this I, it was <laughs> yeah it really <laughs> seemed like that at, right. yeah
0: um and for the most part um they kind of held up that and merrimack's defense you know got a few stops there in the second quarter um you know but the guy that i came away from that game with most impressed with was uh, merrimack's quarterback uh james dowling um I, you know, I kind of joked – I got a chance to talk to him after the game. I kind of joked with him. I was like, you know, if uh, if anyone had you on their fantasy team this week, they uh, they probably had a yeah. pretty good week. He laughed and he said, yeah, a couple of my friends said that to me. To me. Yeah. Um, I had him in the first half, um, 12 of 15 passing, 275 yards, and four touchdowns. Wow. Um, just a, a remarkable game. He finished the game with over 300 yards passing. Uh, and if you go back to – The second half of the BG game two weeks ago, um, he has put together a a pretty good performance, 62% completion, um, 666 yards, nine touchdowns, and one interception. And that one interception was off a deflection on a screen pass that... One Portsmouth lineman tipped and it went to another, and so it was kind of uh, yeah, it wasn't even really his fault, yeah, yeah, right. So, I mean, he has been on a roll, and no surprise that they've been able to get back to putting up a ton of points,
1: yeah. Well, and that's great to hear too because, um, first of all, those are those are like those are NFL type stats, right? Which is uh, pretty amazing, uh, in New Hampshire football where you know the weather is a little rough, and obviously, these are not NFL players, uh, orchestrating the passing game out there, but. When Merrimack struggles, it seems that, you know, Dowling has tough nights uh, in terms of interceptions or, 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 you know, turnovers, right? We've, you know, we've seen where, you know, hey, it's not uncommon to see a couple of picks thrown. And, and you know, they throw the ball a lot, so that does happen. But um, he's been a master the last few weeks. And, oh, by the way, Merrimack, you know, after kind of going into that, that weird little slump that they yeah. had in the yeah. beginning third of the season – you know has positioned themselves to be right back in it and, and that was a key win over a
0: pretty good a decent team yeah team. That, i mean that 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 when wi- if if portsmouth comes out with a win there it keeps some slim um but i'll be at playoff hopes alive they, yeah. they've pretty much all been al- but eliminated yeah after that game um and merrimack put itself in a very good position coming down the stretch um you know and really you know from what what their coach kip jackson said after that game was that the change with dowling really started when they played him more on defense uh he came out in that game against bg and played a little bit more on the defensive side um you know and that just has helped him be i don't know a little more focused a little more you know he can he can kind of take out his you know frustrations or aggressions there on defense and be a little bit more calm and collected on offense
1: it's funny because it's counterintuitive, right? A lot of times you you will sacrifice, as a coach, you'll sacrifice uh, defensive performance to, to say, hey, you know, our quarterback's obviously very important and we can't risk having him, whether it's a physical risk of, hey, you know, he's doubling his snaps now, so you risk getting him hurt even more, or whether it's just the mental, physical strain of, you know, playing defense and then turning right around and going out on the field and calling signals. So it seems kind of counterintuitive, but I, I've coached guys like that. I mean, I had uh, Mike Mancini at Sauhegan, who he'd rip my face off if I tried to take him off the field on <laughs> defense, and, and he was not a prototypical body-type football guy, right? But I think every once in a while you get those quarterbacks where you're, you're coaching intuition about, hey, you know, you let them, let them cool out, let them talk to the coaches about what we're seeing, let them – you know take that defensive and special teams um, snaps off sometimes it just doesn't play that way and so if that's the formula that they found well it's it's a double win for them because you get a you get an additional good player on d that you might have not been otherwise had access to right and if it's working for him in whatever way emotionally right for him to sort of exert himself on d and 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 be
0: focused on the game when he goes on O, it's it's kind of like gaining two starters almost yeah um, they have a huge game uh, Friday night going to Nashua to take on North at yep. Stello Stadium, 6.30 kickoff. Um, they beat North twice last year, including in the playoffs. Yeah, um, a great overtime win yeah, in the playoffs, and, and which uh, I'm sure North remembers. Kind of an epic kind of game there with a 6 nothing game in overtime. Yeah. Um, Everything was played between, like, the 35-yard lines. It was just a mess. A week ago, I would have told you that I would have – made North of a sizable favorite in this game, especially yes. considering what North's defense has done this year. Um, they gave up 28 points to Exeter uh, a few weeks ago. Um, in, a in a great game. Yeah, they haven't allowed more than 10 to anyone else all year. Um, and that includes two shutouts. Um, you know, they gave up eight against Winnicott in the opener, and I believe that was on a touchdown at the end of the game. You know, so they're a team that has played very well defense. For all the n- offensive numbers that they've been able to put up, um and i'm sure you know merrimack has given up points at this you know at times so i'm sure north will will be able to get its um what merrimack really has to do is is maybe limit it you know instead of maybe getting into a shootout and giving up something every drive it's every other drive yeah um you know and then they have to they have to be able to score against north yeah um, i would think
1: yeah it seems like it seems like i mean when you look at the the list of teams that North has beaten so far—it's it, there's no o- offensive team that really stands out. I mean, South has had uh, some success on offense this year, uh, and BG has had some success on offense. But there's no offensive team where you would look at that list and say, "Oh yeah, you know, North has North has really shut down some premier offenses." Yeah, B- but. Merrimack is going to be the best offense that they I they agree. play. Yeah, but the, the flip side of it is I do think the pressure will be on, as you just said, Merrimack's defense. They're going to have to come up with plays. They're going to have to It's whether it's, uh, you know, stealing a possession off a turnover or whether it's just, you know, you get that one negative play, whether it's a sack or something and, um, you know, North's been pretty consistent on offense, so I think the challenge is going to fall. You know that Merrimack's offense is going to score, I guess, and, and, and that's no disrespect to North's defense, It's just it's respect to Merrimack's offense, but I think North um, Merrimack's challenge will be defensively. Don't you know? You can't get into that shootout with North because Merrimack doesn't have a player, I don't think anyway, like like Harris. Right. And so if it if it comes down to my light, you know, my quick strike guy against your quick strike guy, North has the advantage there.
0: The um, probably the two other big games in Division One this past weekend uh, turned out to be kind of what we talked about earlier in the year um not quite as close as we would have expected yeah um you know with Londonderry just continuing to roll beating Goffstown 48 to 7 uh to go to 7 and 0 and then you had Salem who you know that in a game that was probably closer on the scoreboard than it actually was on the field um in the you know in the first half and early in the second half uh Salem beats Bedford 34 to 3 uh you know that game was i believe um 13 nothing at halftime or excuse me 20 to nothing at halftime Hmm. um you know and and bedford had its chances there they got inside the salem 30 on four occasions they were um inside the 10 three times and came away with nothing on all three of those possessions um you know and they're a team right now that's just kind of you know their coach zach Matthews said after the game that they're when they some adversity when when a team punches back at them they really haven't had an answer the last couple of weeks yeah
1: it's interesting because yeah, that's kind of what i've observed too right i saw them uh i saw them play londonderry a couple weeks ago and yeah it, it almost looked like they didn't know how to deal with playing a team that was their equal or better um and and, and that can be hard right when, you, when you've had that history of success that bedford has had and they should be and can be proud of it it's hard to guard against that first taste of adversity. Um, you know, so you do think, you know, if you think on the positive, you know, Bedford's a good program. They're well coached. You know, does some of this adversity that they've faced help them in down the stretch here? Right. Cause I think they're still well positioned to be a playoff team, but the flip of the story is Salem's defense, which we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now deserves a ton of recognition. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you came away out of that, I think. Extremely impressed with what you I saw. I mean,
0: they've given up 52 points all year. Yeah. Uh, 42 of that was against Londonderry, who is scoring a ton of points against everybody. So, against right. the other six teams on their schedule, they've given up 10 points um, three to Bedford, seven to Wyndham, four shutouts um, on this season. Um, you know, in fr- on the other end of that, I, I, I think we kind of texted about it as it was happening with with Bedford Um, you know they they've not we didn't talk about it last week which I I don't know how we forgot but uh, I was actually surprised that you got back to me with as much detail as you did but I said I said you know Bedford got shut out by Londonderry um, I said do you know the last time you know what was it October whatever 2010 or was it 2011 2010 2010 you know, that was the last time that Bedford got shut out. They lost 9-0 to, to who?
1: Yeah. And I said Hollis Brookline because <laughs> I, uh, I was the offensive coordinator there at the time. And it was a miserable, you know, wet, I mean, rain coming in sideways kind of night. And uh, I, I think we were more outfitted for that than they were. We, we, we knew the weather that week, and we spent the week soaking balls in a Gatorade jug <laughs> and making our kids <laughs> play with these wet balls just to get ready for that game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's funny because I, I was thinking, the same. Like I had forgotten until you you cued me. You know, my question was, when was the last time Bedford's been shot out? You know, I mean, they've been an offensive machine for, you know, almost a decade.
0: But even even I, you know, I went a step further with that. Um, I'm just trying to find where I, if I jotted it down here. Um, the last time they had lost. The last two time in a row. they not just that they lost two in a row, but they lost two in a row and didn't score a touchdown. And you have to go all the way back to their first season as a varsity program. 2008. In 2008. They ended the year with back-to-back losses. I don't think – I think they m- both might have been shutouts. Yeah, w- uh, and, and
1: again, one of them was when w- I was yeah. on the
0: Hollis Brookline staff. Y- and, I mean, just – I mean, I, I, it, it – there are a lot of teams that go without scoring touchdowns, um, you know, on any, any given week, um, whether you're good or bad, <laughs> uh, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, to th- go – what is that 11 years without scoring you know to, to have that happen yeah I it just it, it just tells you what that program has become in its short time as a varsity program
1: yeah yeah so maybe i mean the message there is that they're still a dangerous team they've had a rough patch here but merrimack had a rough patch three four five weeks ago and here we are saying oh yeah they're right back in it yeah you know so <laughs> so you, you You know, anybody that's taken a look at Bedford, uh, by the way, including Bedford themselves, if anybody out there is listening, that's on that team or part of that program and counting that out. I I mean, no way. No way. Right. They're still one of the most dangerous teams in the state.
0: Uh, You were at another game on Saturday uh, between Hollis and Sauhegan. Yeah. Yeah. kind of a bit of a different game than what we've come to expect the last couple of years where they've been more um you know shootouts. Yeah. Uh this one was a little bit more of a defensive struggle. Hollis winning what 27 to 7.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was it was a yeah.
0: first of all it was a beautiful day.
1: Um and I kind of broke my rule about you know I try to see different teams but having coached for those two teams and having uh, a lot of affinity for both of those programs I was like I got to go. I got to go see this game. And uh yeah, it was, it was not what I expected. Um, and I don't mean that to say, oh yeah, I expected Southie going to blow them out or anything like that. I, I just, you, expected a lot of points. Um, you, you, you expected a little bit more. I mean, even, even the way that the points were scored wasn't exactly fireworks. I mean, it was kind of workmanlike, uh, stuff on Hollis's part. Um, Hollis uh, has discovered a running game. I mean, uh, uh, Mark Thermitis had What? Wait. Yeah. What? <laughs> Mark Thermidas had 160 some odd yards wow. against uh, a pretty good I mean that was a Sauhegan run defense that did a pretty decent job despite the score on on Milford's run for about game 3 quarters yeah a few they, they shut him down yeah Yeah. I mean, it was tough sledding in there for Milford so um yeah it, it was it was kind of a complete win for Hollis, I would say. I mean, it, you know, they played really good defense at just the right times. Um, they put just enough drives together. Uh, you know, they got a, a, a pick six from um, uh, Bergerson. I forget his first name. Um, Blake. Blake Bergerson. Thank you. You Had a pick. Six I said that with there. much more confidence than I actually. No, had. but you're right. <laughs> you're, you're correct. Now that you've reminded me, um, picked the ball off and and uh, you know, sort of on a short screen and ran that back. So that. That was almost kind of the backbreaker, I would say. You know, it was it was a little bit in question, and then that that happened. But um, it was an interesting game. I, you know, Sauhegan really struggled offensively too, which has certainly not been the case all year. Yeah. Um, so Hollis line played great defense, and the only thing that um, Sauhegan was really able to get was they they had uh, um, Manning in Luke Manning at quarterback to start the second half and. Got I mean, part of it was aided by great field position. They got a really great kick return, and uh, I think on the first play from scrimmage, Manning ran it in from like twenty or thirty yards out, just on a read keeper. Yeah. um And you're like, okay, you know, they, found, we, they, they figured something out yeah, here, okay. and they're going to go, and it just, it just never, it never
0: transpired. Hmm. You know, we've got a couple of um, interesting games coming up here. I mean, we, we've talked about it all year with this, the South Conference in D2, um, basically a. a, a week to week struggle. Yeah, um, just who is it going to be? Yeah, who is it going to be? Sauhegan, I mean when you look at it in the bigger picture, I mean M- Hollis goes to 5 and 2 and Sauhegan goes to 4 and 3, so you look at it and you say, "Well, that's a huge loss for Sauhegan." But honestly, it might have been a bigger win for Hollis given that they still have to play alvern and they still have to play St. Thomas. They have to go to St. Thomas. To end the regular season, yeah, um, you know, and regardless of what St. Thomas's record is, I mean, they they could easily be a team that's at the top of the division. They played well this year, um, and of course, Alvern, six and one, you know, their only loss um, to St. Thomas. Right. So that tells you a little bit about, you know, just just what Hollis has to end the year. And then Sauhegan has West this week, yeah, which which West you has know, been very West, competitive yeah, West this year. Three wins this year. Yep, they've been a better team that you know, better talent than, than they've had in the past. Yep. And then they finish out the year having to go to Bow, Right. Um, which, granted, if they were to win that game, I mean, we'll know a little bit more about Bo, you know, after this week. They play Kennett yep. uh, Friday night um, and then host Sauhegan to end the year. But, I mean, if, if, Ken, if Bo's coming into that game at 8-0 and Sauhegan picks up a win, that's um, off the top of my head. I want, That's a 26-point yeah. vict- victory for yeah. them because of the point rating. That's huge. I mean, that they could finish – I don't think they could get in at five and four, but at six and three, that could bump them up, Yeah, um, you know, up into, like, sixth or seventh instead of having to be the eighth seed and going to, you know, back to Bo yeah. or to Milford or, or somewhere like that. Um, and it's an interesting
1: matchup because, if you remember, Sauhegan, uh I don't think favored in either game last year, swept Bo they two They beat weeks him twice, too. Yeah, you're right. Once yeah. to end the season, yeah. and then they drew him first round, went to their house, by the way. And, uh, and beat him pretty convincingly. You know, oh, oh, I was going to say, okay. the other interesting thing about Sauhegan being at 4-3 and three now is, though, but they were two points away going into the Hollis right. game, yeah. two points yeah. away from being undefeated. A one-point loss to and a one-point loss to Pelham. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but, and, but it didn't look like that on Saturday. I mean, they were, it, it was a complete game victory for yeah. Hollis. Yeah. I mean, it
0: really was. So, I don't know. Um, the other big game in the South this week, you've got um, St. Thomas going to Pelham Friday night. Um, so that's another huge one. I mean, that's that's probably. I would almost think that St. Thomas has to beat Pelham and has to beat Hollis Brookline if they're going to be a playoff team this year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I still find it almost impossible for a team with four losses to get into the into the D2 playoffs. Like, I think it's going to. I don't think it's happened. Um, since they went to this alignment where it's two conferences, no. um, and I I don't see it happening unless something maybe something crazy happens, and there's a bunch of teams with four losses. Yeah. Um,
1: so in that way, is that a, would you say that's a more critical game for St. Thomas than it is for Pelham? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Pelham has has two losses. They're five, and, and then they two. have West remaining.
0: They have, I believe, that is correct. Yes. Um, and Pelham is. Uh, and they've got it's a game to play with just as competitive yeah. as any of these other teams. Yeah. Um, and then, as we said, in the north, you've got Bow and Kennett playing um, on Friday, and that's a that's a, a, an absolutely huge game. Um, I think – and we'll learn a lot about both teams. You know, Kennett, um, their biggest win, obviously, the one over Plymouth. Um, but then they also turn around and lost by 21 at home to Milford. Right. Um, you know, so really tough to tell – where they are the question really is how good is the north yeah compared yeah. to the south yeah. right i mean
1: the if the milford victory and the margin of victory is any indication um i'd have to say that the south really is considerably better at this point um it's not like last year where you had bow was really good plymouth was unstoppable good um john stark was in
0: there yeah john stark um, was strong hanover was was very, very good. good um yep. they're a young team this year rebuilding yeah um, so yeah there's I, mean, I do not I know we talked about it earlier. Uh, I think I think you're basically you're going to get three teams in from the north, Bow, Kennett and Plymouth, which means you're only getting five teams in from the south and I think that six team potentially you could consider better than any and maybe two or three of those teams in the north yeah, uh, which is unfortunate, but that's
1: it's the way it goes, yeah, because you look at it right now it's it's Milford, Alvern, Pelham. Hollis, Brookline, and Sauhegan. Yeah, and then and you St. have St. Thomas. St. Thomas
0: is on the outside right now. And those are,
1: but any one of those teams
0: is a really, really good team right. that
1: that, could, that has and could beat any of those other teams on that list at any point. Yeah. Uh, Which d- is exactly what we predicted. <laughs> <laughs> it is though, right? No, Week one, is, we were is. like, "Hey, who we knows?" It's the one thing we probably predicted that has wow. come to transpire. <laughs> um,
0: Division three a little bit easier to figure out because you've got eight teams that get in, um, and it looks like. Those top four right now: Lebanon, Trinity, Campbell, Menadnock. Um, your four front runners. Yeah. Um, of course, Stevens, Hillsborough, Deering, Hopkinton. Two very good teams, but um, you know Stevens is about to hit a really tough, tough stretch to end the year, already with two losses. And uh, HDH has just been been <laughs> in a little bit of a tailspin, I think, um, since that Lebanon g- since going into halftime of the Lebanon game. Yeah. Uh, I, well, they threw that pick six at the end of the. End end of of the the first half, and And it's been kind of yeah, it was almost like downhill from that inflection point.
1: Well, and and you know they've They've had injuries too. Yeah, yeah, they've been going without uh, Mike Oberheim, who was their starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. Um, Uh, and 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 honestly, from what I gathered, this game this weekend was a pretty good game. But Trinity, Trinity is maybe a little bit better than we we thought at the beginning of the year. I mean, now that's two really good quality wins the the overtime win against Campbell. Um, and oh, by the way, speaking of Trinity, opening up on a brand, brand new, yeah. oh, it, looked, it look, looks like a gorgeous, field. like idyllic looking field. <laughs> so uh, unbelievable. Right. I mean, just like a small town, New England, perfect little thing, uh, to play ball. Yeah. On. I mean, just look so, but that sounded like it was a, it was a pretty competitive game up until, um, you know, Trinity kind of took over at the end and, and, um, you know, I think, uh, I think Tebow had another big game, from what I was able to gather on the ground, and um, yeah. So I mean, you're right. I think I think there's some separation between the three or four best there, and then you know, kind of what's happening on the back end.
0: Trinity hosts Stevens Friday night, big game um, in a big game. But what I think is probably the game of the week uh, will actually take place Saturday. Did I say that game was Friday night? I meant Saturday night. If I said Saturday, I meant Saturday night. Saturday That's night. Um, but probably the, the game of the week, um, Saturday afternoon, you have Manadnock going to Campbell for a one kickoff in a rematch of the last two championship games. Right. Um, you know, and, and I, uh, Manadnock has really, I think, turned a corner the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, they took those back to back losses and, uh, it was kind of like, all right, well, what, what direction are you heading in? They've bounced back with some pretty big wins um campbell has um you know outside of that game against trinity they really haven't played um you know, like they, they played the bottom half of the, the division yeah and, and uh, as a result they're like the
1: quietest six and one team <laughs> in the state right i mean they're a six <laughs> yeah, and one team yeah. that we haven't talked that about nobody's talking yeah like uh, well we're not talking about but well, I, I mean you don't really see that's all that really matters him, right which is now weird. is what, we, <laughs> right. what goes on at this table but you know they're they're super talented they've got a lot of experience they're like I said, for God's sake, they're six and one in a pretty competitive division. Um, you know, you would, you would think they would be the favorite going into this Mananock game.
0: I, yeah, but, I would
1: think so, but, but I'm not sure. Right, but Manadnock is, like you said, that, speaking of momentum swings, their season momentum seems to have the pendulum is kind of yeah, gone on the gone in the other now. direction.
0: Yeah, and um, Campbell, excuse me, plays Mananock, and then they play at Lebanon to end the season. So. Two really tough games for them to, yeah. e- to end the year. Um, we could end up with a really interesting situation, though, as as we come down the stretch here, because the uh, the e- of course eight teams, eight out of twelve teams get in to the playoffs in D three. Uh, right now, there are two teams at two and five that are record wise tied for the the eighth seed: Newport and Summersworth, both two and five. But according to the NHIA tiebreakers for the division. Newport actually is the playoff team because they have a better rating. They have a better rating because they beat Stevens um, way back in week two. Yeah. However, two weeks ago, Summersworth beat Newport. So head-to-head, Summersworth has that victory, but that's not what the first tiebreaker is. Head-to-head accor- is not the first tiebreaker. Not, according, not for Division Three. That's bizarre. It is a little bit bizarre. Um, I don't know what's gonna how it's going to shape out. Newport finishes with at home with Laconia this week. And then they go to Epping Newmarket, two games that they could end up winning. Um, I, I got to rewind you for a second. The tiebreaker, the first tiebreaker, is not, not head-to-head it's competition. I shouldn't. I don't a tie understand breaker, that. Tiebreaker was probably the wrong word for me to use. When seeding, when figuring out the playoffs for Division Three, yeah, rating and not record, not win-loss record, is what is taken. Uh. Newport right now has a better rating than Summersworth does, so they're not tied. Gotcha. They're tied record-wise. They're gotcha. not tied rating-wise. Yeah. Um, so to a layman such as myself, though, it would appear as It would no appear that it should be Summersworth that would get in right. as of right now. I mean, it could all change. Like I said, Newport plays Laconia, Epping Newmark to end the year. Summersworth has Kearsarge and Trinity. So that's—I mean, that's a tough finish to the year yeah. with Trinity. So— It may it'll figure itself out. Usually it does. Yeah. Uh, We haven't gone into complete chaos yet, but it's that'll be coming next week when we when we talk about uh, playoff scenarios. It's also
1: interesting to think, you know, in that setup that, you know, you've got
0: teams with two wins that are potentially going to be in in the playoff. That's right. I mean, that's. Yeah, I think that might probably should be something that they take a look at. Yeah. uh, Moving forward, whether it's. Adding teams to Division Three, bumping more teams down—a combination of the two. Yeah. But we can talk about that when we wrap up. Uh, yeah. When we wrap the year up. Getting ahead of ourselves. Um, do want to mention Division Four too, because this is their final week of the season. They had a bye two weeks ago, of course. Um, have a second bye on the final week of the season, so they'll be everybody will be nice and rested going into the playoffs. Yep. Um, you know, McKen again, again continues to just mow down the competition. Last week it was a 35-0 win over Bishop Brady. Um, you know, they haven't given up more than 24 points in a game, and that was the first game of the season. Yeah. Um, the last three opponents, they've given up 13 total points. I mean, they look like the team to beat by far. Uh, but then you've got, you know, Raymond is right there behind them. Um, maybe not as good defensively, but, man, they have been scoring a lot of points this season. Yeah. Um, they finished the year – against muscoma um you know who at two and four is i mean i got to imagine is all but is completely out of the playoff picture so yeah you know a game that they should be able to, to to win handily uh newfound is right there for a playoff spot they're three and three they take on fall mountain which i believe i believe at four and two has clinched a playoff spot absolutely i i you know don't i haven't gone well i mean they must have um I'm sorry, I haven't gone down and actually crunched the numbers, but <laughs> but we're yeah. declaring it but here I'm as truth happy. apparently. It sure, <laughs> looks like it sure looks like they'd be a playoff. You're peddling today. fake news again. Yeah, my, uh, <laughs> my um, you know, and Bishop Brady also in uh, in contention for another spot at three and three. Um, you know, so that should be an exciting finish for uh, Division Four. Yeah, we'll have some uh, some playoff spots to talk about next week with them. Uh, like I said, being done their regular season. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we'll be talking about the last week next week. Hard to, hard to believe.
1: Yeah. I, I don't even know what to say to that. It's gone so fast. And, uh, you know, it was the same thing when you were coaching or playing. I mean, it's just the season goes by so quick. You, You spend all that time prepping and lifting and running and seven on sevens and, uh, and then, and then it just goes so quick that, um, like i said a couple weeks ago i hope i hope all those involved are enjoying it it really is a special time especially this time of year when every you know all those games count you're headed into the playoffs the weather is just pure football weather um special time of year man
0: he is mike lockman mike thanks for joining me this week thank you i am joe marcellina we'll talk to you again next week